Yep, I think the Lord just wants us to go right into the Word. Is that okay? Okay, we just go right to the Word of the Lord. Strong, committed followers of Jesus Christ with their foot set on a firm foundation. That's what I want. I want to be a strong, committed follower of Jesus with my foot set on a firm foundation. Anybody else with me? Psalm chapter 40. Our verse, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground, steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. We stand on solid ground, on a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And so this is, uh, we we continue our series. That's not a series. It's, uh, I'm looking at the next several years and I'm just wanting to to have kind of these these pockets of of two services or or sermons, part one and part two of of, uh, foundational Christian beliefs. That, that we have, some doctrine that we have, so we're starting off with three of them. So two weeks ago, we talked about the Bible, um, part one and part two of the Bible, how we can be sure that this is the Word of God. If you're interested in seeing those, you can look at our, on, our, on our website or on YouTube. Um, last two weeks was on the Trinity. We believe Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and I'm so thankful for that. Today uh, and next week is, is another part one, part two. Um, and there's, there's a little bit of tension here, okay? You guys ready for some tension? No, you're not. There's a little bit of tension here, okay? So there's, this, there, it, there's, there's kind of this tension. It's almost like, you know, when, when you're waiting for an inheritance, you're like, it, it's mine, but it's not mine. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, okay, the inheritance I'm going to get one day, it's mine, but it's not mine. You know, there's sort of like, almost like a tension type there. Uh, there's this tension that it's done, but he's doing it, okay? It's done, but he's doing it. Okay, we're going to talk about this word, sanctification. Okay, sanctification is this thought of separating from sin, separating from sin, and growing closer to the Lord. Okay, now he's done it, but he's also still doing it. Okay, he's done it, but he's also still doing it. Okay, so we we may have this question. Okay, well, if, if what he did on the cross was good enough. Probably a better word would be sufficient. If what he did on the cross for us was sufficient, then why do we have to keep doing stuff? Like, don't we just like say a prayer and we're good the rest of our life? Don't we just like say a prayer, okay, we're Christian and now we're good, we're just kind of waiting until heaven? Why do we have to keep doing stuff? That's this sanctification process. So I was, as I was reading a couple of weeks ago, I was unsure of what I wanted to do in these, uh, these kind of this fifth and sixth part or first and second of this next part here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I knew I wanted to talk about the Bible, I knew I wanted to talk about Trinity, but I was unsure of this last one. And then in just my personal Bible reading, I, was, I, I read this verse in 2 Peter, and I thought, yeah, this is what we're going to talk about. This is so perfect for what the Lord has for us. 2 Peter chapter 3, which by the way, sorry, today I'm going to be all over the Bible, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be all over the place. Because it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of big picture, so I, I want to look in both the Old Testament and the New Testament so that we can see... This, this unfold fully, okay? Typically, I like to just look at these nine verses or whatever. Uh, we're going to be everywhere, just, just a little bit. Verses are going to be on the screen for you. But 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, 
It says this, you already know these things, dear friends. Now, what is these things? So for about 15 verses, he's talking about the day of the Lord. So like Jesus is coming back, uh, uh, the wicked will be judged, the righteous will be judged, okay, all these things. So this day is coming where the righteous are going to go to heaven, the wicked, okay, that day is going to come. And he talks about this for about 15 verses. And he says, you know that this is going to happen, okay? How many of you believe that Jesus is coming back soon? Might be morning, nine or noon, right? <laughs> we don't know when he's going to come. It could be in five minutes, it could be in 50 years. We don't know, but we do know that he is coming, okay? So he says, you already know these things, dear friends. So, so since you know that Jesus is coming, be on guard, Be on guard, then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Be on guard, that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. You can lose your secure footing. Now, there's nothing wrong with the foundation. That is secure, okay? So you, when you set your feet on Jesus, you, are in, you have a secure footing in him. Remember, he picked us up out of the mire, set our feet on solid rock, and he, okay? But if I start walking over here to the edge of this foundation, it's not so secure. The closer I get to that edge away from it, okay? So we have to be on guard. There is, every, the, 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 the footing is secure, or the foundation is secure, the, founda- or the, the footing is what we have to look at. So you may lose your secure footing. Rather, so what do you do? You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the idea of sanctification, where you sanctify yourself, that where you separate from sin. You separate from sin, okay, and you grow closer to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says this, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Holy. Make every effort to be holy. You are making an effort to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness... No one is going to see the Lord. So, this day of the Lord is coming. You want to be on guard so you have the secure footing, okay? Um, knowing that without holiness, no one is going to see the Lord. When that day comes. So, if we are not holy, we are not going to be able to see the Lord. So, that begs the question then. How, how do I? I'm trying to help you all out. How do I be holy? There we go. Thank you for asking. That's what we're going to talk about, okay? If there's no way of seeing the Lord unless I am holy, well then, how do I become holy? All right. First, a couple times we see this. The very first time we see this is in Genesis chapter 1, when he's creating the days, and on that seventh day he rested. And the Bible says that God made that day holy, and he blessed it. So that seventh day was holy. It was set apart from the other six days. That day is holy. That's when, it, that's when he rests and that's when we worship. Another way to say, go to church. Come to church. This is holy. Come to church and worship the Lord, okay? So he sets this day apart and he calls it holy. The next time we see the word holy, Moses is in the desert. 
and he's walking along, and he sees this bush, and it's on fire, but yet it's not burning up. It's on fire, but it's not burning up. And so he walks, and he hears this voice, and, he, and, and at this voice says, I am the great I am. And he's, what does he say to Moses? He says, take off your sandals, for you are on holy ground. Well, was, was the ground any different than any other ground in that part of the country? It wasn't the ground that was holy. Who was holy? What was holy? God. God is the one that is holy, and he made that area holy. So take off your sandals, for you are on holy ground. There's this idea that God is so holy, so pure, that no unholiness, no impurity can come anywhere near it. It's almost like the sun in our solar system is what, physically speaking, in our solar system gives us life and it allows the the, the plants to grow and all these things allows sunlight for us to have. And so we need the sun. It is this powerful and it's strong. But you also can't get too close to it, can you? You'll burn up. And so while we need it, it's, there's like a danger to it almost. Because it's so pure. So you look at God like that, he gives us life. He breathes life into us. But then there's this idea that, whoa, 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 but it's kind of dangerous because he is so pure and we are so impure. We look at the next step when they made the temple. And you've got to have these different things to get through the temple and, and, and you've got to make your sacrifice, you've got to go in. Then there was this place called the Holy of Holies, which was the very center of the temple, right? And once a year, the high priest goes in there and, and he has a couple things he has to do. Pray for the atonement of all of Israel and all these things. Um, and so he goes in once a year, and so he has to be what's called ritually pure. So obviously the sin has to be out of his life, but he has to wash his hands a certain way. There are certain things that he has to do to be able to go into the Holy of Holies. So it's not just sin pure, it's, it's all this, this purity. So as he walks in, uh, he has to make sure that he is pure. So what they would do is they would actually tie a rope around uh, the, the high priest's feet or foot, so that if he was to walk in and he was impure, he would fall over dead. And so you can't rush in and get him because he's dead. So they would actually pull him out if he was impure. Can you imagine just kind of that moment of, all right, I gotta, I gotta tie the rope on you. Hold on a second here, just in case you die in five seconds. Uh, we have to. Okay. How awkward was that? <laughs> a little bit. But it was serious to God. Purity is serious to God. And so, in this ritualistic purity, they were not allowed to touch uh, dead objects, especially the priests, those who took the Nazarite vow, Samson, John the Baptist. They, they could not touch anything dead. They could not touch uh, any diseased person, okay? You, you had to, if you had any impurities, you had to be set outside the camp uh, once, once a month. Um, women had to go outside the camp and have their own tent for that time during that month before they came back in. That's all I'm going to say. Okay? So, <laughs> so uh, it wasn't just a sin thing. It was a purity thing. It wasn't just a sin thing. It was a purity thing. Like that's, that's just what happened. And so there was the idea where you did not want to touch anything impure because then that impure thing would be transferred to you. So you stayed away from anything that was impure. Now, we fast forward to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. 
And he has this vision of he walks into this, to this temple, and God is there, and he sees God, and he knows he's not supposed to be there. It says that his robe fills the temple, and that there are these angels or seraphims that come, and they start singing. Verse 3, they were calling one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. They're saying, holy, holy, holy. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost, the threshold shook. The temple was filled with smoke. So there's this Isaiah, and he sees this. And seraphims are shouting, holy, and here's God, and the train of his robe fills the temple, and there's an earthquake, and he knows he shouldn't be there. And so he says maybe something like what you might say if you were face-to-face with God. And he says, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He knew he was seconds away from death because he saw how impure he was and the nation that he served. He saw how impure he was, and here he was in the midst of total and complete purity. And then something strange happens. One of the seraphim, verse 6, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Typically when someone touches something impure or unclean, it transfers the uncleanness to the person. But here, something pure touches the unclean person and it purifies the person that's different that's different than what we've seen before what does it mean we're not sure until Jesus comes on the scene Jesus comes on the scene the son of God in Matthew chapter 8 a hugely underrated miracle one of his first miracles There is a leprous man who comes and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, every Jewish person for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years know you do not touch impure, unclean person, people. And the leprous people, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean, don't come near me. This this is just the culture for hundreds of years. This isn't, you know, a few years. Hundreds of years, everybody knows, do not touch leprous people. You will become unclean. And then here is Jesus. He walks up, and what he does is he touches the man. And he says, I am willing, be clean. And just like that, the unclean man becomes pure and clean. All because of Jesus Christ. So where do we get this holiness and this purity? It comes from Jesus, from no one else. It doesn't come from anybody else. There is nothing that we do. There are not things that we accomplish. There's not years that we call ourselves a Christian that we can now say, I'm holy. That only comes from Jesus Christ. It only comes from Jesus Christ. We are impure. We are unclean, especially compared to his purity and his holiness. We are unholy and we are impure. He sanctified him, and his ultimate sanctification would come a couple years later. But he made him holy. He made him pure. And then it says, then we go to this tension. So he sanctifies us. So we're holy. We become clean, but yet we got to keep being clean. You see this tension here? So he's done it. Like, it's done. It is done. When he's on the cross, 
And that prisoner that is being crucified with him gives his heart to the Lord. In the moment, while the Son of God is dying and sanctifying him on the cross, while that is being happened, while that is happening, he gives his heart to the Lord. And what does Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. So his work on the cross is sufficient for your sanctification. Okay? That prisoner didn't come off the cross. He didn't, he didn't go to Victor Sunday School at all. Okay? He didn't get to go to that. He didn't get to grow in the Lord. Okay? He didn't, he didn't get to go to Sunday School. He didn't get to uh, work in the nursery. He didn't get to like, do all this stuff. Okay? He didn't do all that. What Christ did for him on the cross was sufficient. No man is going to see God unless they are holy. Christ was making him holy right then at that moment of sanctification. However, we continue to grow in the Lord. We are continually separating ourselves away from sin. We're going to live another 10, 20, 30, 175 years, okay? So we have to continue this. So as we separate ourselves from sin and and draw closer to the Lord, that is sanctification. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. We don't do it. He does it. We don't do it. He does it. He's the one that sanctifies us. There's nothing we can do that sanctifies us. He does it. Hebrews chapter 13, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most high place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. That means at one point the high priest, he made the sacrifices. But verse 12, and so Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make people holy through his own blood. Jesus' blood. Jesus makes us holy. Only Jesus sanctifies us. There's nothing that you can do that sanctifies you. Have I said that enough? There's nothing you do. There's not a length of time. Like once you get over the, I've been a Christian 50 years mark. Ah, good, okay, now I'm good. There's nothing you do that sanctifies you. It is all from Jesus. But there's this tension that don't, what part do we play? Is there a part that we play in this sanctification process? Romans chapter 12. You know this, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. You have to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You offer yourself. You accept the salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And you offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That means you could conform to the pattern of this world. But Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. There are many that do conform to the pattern of this world, but yet and call themselves Christians. There are many Christians, and maybe that we have known of, that at one point they gave their heart to the Lord and they loved the Lord, but then they started conforming to the pattern of this world. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I understand that the world has a different agenda and a different idea of everything. But the Word says, 
to separate from sin, draw closer to the Lord. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And I know that this world does this and teaches that and says this. And teenagers in the room, I know that it's hard sometimes to go to school. And every other word is a cuss word. And they talk about sex all the time. And this and that. That is the pattern of this world, but you are set apart and you are different. You are set apart and you are different. If they choose to do those things, they choose to do those things. Your choice is moving toward the Lord. Why? Because we have to be guard. We have to be on guard. We have to be guard that we don't lose our secure footing. I go to church every week. Great. Separate yourself from sin. It's not, I go to church every week. Separate yourself from sin. Move closer to the Lord. It's not just, I go to church every week. Or my parents are Christians. Or I've been a Christian for 30 years. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. 1 Peter chapter 1. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. It says don't slip back into your old ways to satisfy your own desires. Ephesians 2 talks about this. And we were dead in our transgressions, but now we've been made alive with Christ. And so there are some who, if you are not on guard, will slip back into old ways as you lived before. And you will lose your secure footing. Listen, the foundation is solid. But we must keep our footing by the decisions that we make. Every single day, every single week, every single year, for the rest of your life, you never take one day off. Don't slip back into your old way of living. Verse 14, or 15, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy as I am holy. That helps us out even further. Our standard is not the person next to you. Our standard is God. Your standard is not to be a better Christian than the person in front of you. No one look backwards. Okay? Your standard is not, well, I've served more in the church than they have. Your standard is not, well, I lifted my hands longer during worship than they did. That's not your standard. That is not, your standard is Jesus Christ. And guess what, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so since we have fallen short, we have to rely on Christ's sanctifying work on the cross. So we compare ourselves to Christ. Not to our neighbor, not to the person next to us. We do not compare ourselves to others. Well, thank the Lord I'm better than them. Jesus says, great, you're both falling short. You both have to follow Christ's sanctifying work on the cross. Do not compare yourself, I'm better than so-and-so. I'm further along than so-and-so. They are not your standard. Jesus Christ is. Hebrews 2. So we must listen carefully very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. You kind of notice this? Many times it doesn't happen. Sin or or, or backsliding, there I just said the word, doesn't happen all at once. It's a drift away. It's a slip back, right? So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, And every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. 
Every act of disobedience is punished. Every single act. Before salvation, after salvation, those things are punished. And if we don't carefully listen to the truth, we will drift away. Verse 3 says, what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus Christ and delivered from those who speak? What, what makes you think that you're immune? What, you're on the worship team? What, you've been going here for 40 years? So now the sin that you start to fall into, that God's okay with that? He is not okay with that. What makes you think that you can get way of your sin because you view your sin as less than someone else's sin? I'm going to tell you, you will not get away from it. So be on guard, Peter said. Lest you slip back. The writers of Hebrews says, lest you drift away. And it's easy to drift away. Why? Because John 10.10, the first part says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He is coming after you. He is coming after you. And listen, if you couldn't fall away, if it's one of these deals where you could just say a prayer when you were 15 and now you're fine, you can just live however you want to the rest of your life, well, I said a prayer, I'm good. Once saved, always always saved is not a thing. There is no such thing as once saved, always saved. And And I'm giving you the verses right here that show it. Be on guard lest you slip away, lest you fall away. Listen, if the devil comes to attack you, to steal, kill, and destroy you, and he's, oh, oh, you said a prayer when you were 20? Okay, I'm sorry to bother you. I'll go to somebody else. If you couldn't fall away, then he wouldn't come to steal, kill, and destroy you. But he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy you. Oh, oh, you've gone to church for 20 years? Okay, I, I didn't know that. Sorry, sorry. I'll go somewhere else. He is not that polite, trust me. He is coming to kill you. In fact... The very, the, the very fact that you gave your heart to the Lord makes, you come, makes him come at you even harder. Those that he already has on his side, he's not coming at them as hard. He's coming at you. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. And if there's no way of, of knocking you off the perch of salvation, he'd leave you alone. But he doesn't, does he? He comes after you. It's one of those things that doesn't happen in a moment. I realize I'm looking at some of you and, and you're thinking, you know, you're probably not going to rob a bank tomorrow, right? That's probably not on somebody's, okay? Maybe. I don't know. You're probably not going to rob a bank tomorrow. But here's what might happen. You might wake up tomorrow and you might have some concerns and some worries and some doubt and some fear about your financial situation. And you look at the financial situation of, the, of America and you're like, I don't know. And a couple of weeks and a couple of months go by and you become fearful of that and trusting less and less on leaning on God. And that happens for a few weeks. And that happens for a few months. And then you start looking at other people and their blessings and you go, well, wait a minute. Why are they blessed, Lord? But I'm not blessed. And then you start questioning. And you start saying, are they that much of a better Christian than I am? And you start thinking about this. And so you... You want to spend less and less time with them, and so you drift away from the church and from other people. And so you, then you fill yourself up with, you, you start hanging out with other people, and you see that they're, they're kind of getting some money another different way. And it's not exactly illegal, but it's a way to get a little money, a little help. And you see the road you can go down to another year and then two years, and you think, 
I think I can knock off a bank of America. It's not that hard. Now you laugh. Well, let's look at my own industry for a second. Last couple of decades, there have been great men of God. Great men of God who have fallen into temptation. Either had an affair, had financial stuff going on. Did they wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to have an affair today? It happened with a text, and then a couple of texts, and then an innocent meal, and then it progressed, and it progressed, and it progressed, and then all of a sudden, their ministry and their family's life is completely destroyed. Because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Are you telling me that those men were never Christian? Are you telling me that they, they didn't love the Lord and preach the gospel and these types of things? And if he's coming after them, he's coming after you. He's coming after us all. He's coming after us all. And it doesn't happen all at once. But if we are not on guard, on guard, we can see ourselves drift away. We have to separate ourselves from all sin and move closer to the Lord so that we can keep our secure footing. 2 Corinthians 3. Paul is, Paul is talking about how that when, before you were saved, you had a veil over you so you couldn't see everything from the Lord. So in verse 18 he says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. It happens more and more. It's day by day. We want it to happen all at once. We get saved, we want to be exactly like Jesus. But it's a more and more, and it's an every day. He makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into his glorious image. Read a couple of verses later in chapter 4. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, we have physical, earthly bodies. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. That gives us hope, church. That yes, we have a devil that is out to steal, kill, and destroy, but Every single day, we have the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that renews us every day. Every day. And why do we need it every day? Because our bucket leaks. Our bucket leaks. As we walk through this life, listen, we're human. So we make a mistake or we get jostled by somebody else and our bucket begins to leak. So when we wake up the next day, well, what do we have? Our bucket has been renewed every single morning. And that helps us because we can't drive our car on yesterday's gas, can we? That helps us because we're not, we're not fulfilled and sustained from yesterday's hamburger. Like we're going to get hungry again today at some point. We cannot live on what happened yesterday. That's great what happened to you 10 years ago. Fantastic. What's happening today? What's happening today? That's great. As we move away from sin and we move close to the Lord, His Holy Spirit renews us every single day. So 2 Peter chapter 3, our verse. You already know these things, dear friends. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. 
You already know these things, dear friends. So be on guard. Be on guard. Then you will not be carried away. You will not slip back. You will not drift away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, it's every day. That's why we say, read your Bible, pray in the morning. Everyone's going to leave here and go eat lunch. You're not going to wait until next Sunday at lunch to eat again, are you? Every day you need it. And every day you need the Spirit's renewal in your hearts and in your lives. Every day. Read His Word. Pray. And separate yourself from sin. I don't care if anybody else is doing it. Separate yourself from sin and grow closer to the Lord. Would you stand this morning? I'm going to ask. Listen, every one of us has a chance to fall away from the Lord. Every single one of us. And we have to guard against that. So I'm going to go ahead and ask. Just get ready to answer the altar call. Okay? Everybody just get ready to answer the altar call. Because every one of us, there's something in our life that makes us susceptible to. Okay? Sometimes I get bored. And so I'll begin to look at things on the internet. And I know I shouldn't, but it's just for a little while. It's just because I'm bored. Or you say, well, it's not, it's not gossip, gossip, but it's, you know. We all have something in our lives where if we are not on guard, Satan and sin is given a foothold in our life. And he moves us away from God and closer to sin. So I'm going to ask, where is that place? Where is that place in you? The answer is for you and yourself. It's not for somebody else. Your standard is not anybody else. Don't worry about anybody else. Your standard is Christ. God, where is the unholy parts of my life? Where is the unholy parts of my thinking? Where is that, God? Where is that, God? Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and your heart has been pricked and you say, I want to give my heart to the Lord. I'm I'm, I'm not close to the Lord at all. I have not separated myself from sin and I want to give my heart to the Lord and, and I want to give you that opportunity as well. So when we go to pray, I want you to find me up here at the front. I want to pray with you. It's not about listening to your sins or whatever. It's about praying with you that we give our heart to the Lord. But I want all of us to find a place to pray. And might I recommend this altar, stepping out from where you're from and finding a place to pray, kneeling or standing or where it is. But find a place to pray and say, God, show me the... You probably know where it is. I mean, let's just be honest. We know where we can get attacked. We know where we're susceptible to. So can we say, God, help me to be on guard in these areas. Help me to be on guard. Can we find a place to pray? One, two, three, go. Let's find a place to pray. I invite you, come to the altar, stand wherever you need to be. Find a place to pray. Say, God, I am impure and I am unholy. 
So Lord, I come to you. I come to you, Lord. The only one who can sanctify me. The only one who can sanctify me. Help me, Lord. Place my feet on that solid rock and keep me planted there, Lord. Keep me planted. If you're here today and you want to give your heart to the Lord, please come come find me up here at the front. I would love to pray with you. Let's take a few minutes and let's pray. God, God, search the corners of our heart. Find that what is impure and heal and touch today. Sometimes kind of kind of jokingly say, I, I love you and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. But first of all, it's true. Second, <clears throat> it's why I have to preach a message like this, because I love you. And I had this conviction that I'm tired people falling away from the faith because they're just following their fleeting feelings or culture or anything else and I'm sick of it and what makes us think that we're any better or worse than anybody else of them we have to stay on guard protect our heart protect our actions and focus on the only one who sanctifies us that's Jesus Christ Lord we come to you this morning help us God to be on guard to not drift away to not fall away to stay firm on a firm foundation Lord hold to your truth so that you can have salvation and so that others who follow you can have it as well. God, I pray for those family and those friends who have walked away or slowly walking away from the Lord. God, I pray for them. And I pray that they would see you pray that you would wrap your loving arms around them and bring them home. Because the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. God, keep us safe. Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give him a hand clap of praise this morning?